Welcome to the Free Chapel Podcast. Let's get into this week's message. But it says in Jeremiah chapter 29, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, this is to all the captives that he has exiled to Babylon. And let me pause there. In the, in the, in the uh, King James Version, it doesn't say that uh, they were sent into exile. It says that God carried them into exile. I think little words matter. It said that Nebuchadnezzar took the Israelites in, but when the prophet began to speak, he said that, no, God carried it in. I like how God rewrites history. I like how God makes the details a little bit fuzzy. Was it Nebuchadnezzar that took us in? And the prophet says it was actually God that carried you in. You might've felt like you were led in with chains and all kinds of stuff, oppression and fear and anxiety. But when God carries you in the room, guess what? There's an announcement that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is here and he's brought some friends. So it might look like exile, it might sound like exile, but God is actually setting you up to succeed in a place that you should not be succeeding. Let's continue. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says, that all the captives and exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Okay, here's the word. Write this down. Build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, and eat the fruit that they produce. It says marry and have children, then find spouses for them, so that you may have many grandchildren. And as if he didn't have to say it already, he says it, multiply. Say that out loud, say multiply. Think about your bank account and say multiply. Think about how many kids you have and say multiply. <laughs> Not everyone said that. Then spouse is fine for them and many grandchildren multiply. And it says, do not dwindle away. Do not dwindle away. Today's message is really for anyone with a pulse. Really any one of us in the room or by the sound of my voice that have ever attempted anything, ever felt called to anything, ever had a plan to do something and then something goes sideways and the plan that you had is not the place that you are. That's a difficult place to be. The plan that you had is not the place that you are to the child that gave us heart to Jesus at a youth rally and all of a sudden life happens and they look and they take inventory and they're light years between where they used to be and where they are. A young couple who made a decision early on to keep themselves pure before marriage now look before the marriage altar and they have a lot of baggage and a lot of worries and a lot of shame and a lot of just stuff heaping on them. And they look back at the people they used to be and they examine who they are now and they say, I'm not where I wanted to be. I didn't think it would end up this way. To the business owner that felt like God has given me a vision and he's given me a dream. He's given me the discipline. He's given me the intellect. But somehow greed came in and I began to compromise. And where I wanted to be is nowhere close to where I am today. See, it's for anyone that has ever attempted anything for God. And let me, let me help you out here. When I paint those little scenarios, don't think the rest of us get off free. It's not a message just to the few ideas that pop into the preacher's head. This is for all of us because the Bible, the last time I checked, said all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's no long line of sinners and saints. We all deserve to stand in the fallen category. But to the people that connect to Jesus, they are the one that don't deserve it. But because of God's choice and God's grace and the mercy of God, we get to stand in the redeemed category. 
It's not because of anything we've done, but it's because of everything that God has done. I think that's a great place to clap because God is the God of second chances. God is the God that doesn't overlook. God is the God that takes us from where we thought we wanted to be or where we ended up on our own and says, I can still work with that. You know, the Bible doesn't say that all things work out, but the Bible does say that all things work together. And when you and I fall flat on our face, God doesn't say, now what now? What are you going to do? But God says, I can work with that. I can make those things work together. I can make them all get along. I can make them all line up. I can make this thing work together if you'll just hand the keys over to me. So look at what the, the prophet says to the exiles. He says to build homes. He said, make a plan to stay. He didn't say you're going to stay. He just said, I want you to plan to stay. There's a big difference. If you build a temporary shelter and, and you think you might be leaving in a couple days or in a couple weeks, you're not going to build it to the same specs that if you thought you were going to be there forever. And as he begins to talk about building homes and planting gardens and having children and giving them in marriage and a whole lot of grandbabies, that picture of that little house gets big real quick because they're all living with you. <laughs> He said, build homes and plan to stay, plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren multiply. That word multiply means increase. And the word increase means made to multiply. It doesn't matter where you land in life, God created you, you are made to multiply. You, you multiply on accident. Even in your sinning, you're multiplying. Why? Because God's made you to multiply. The increase means made to multiply, but it also means to have authority. That blows my mind that these people could be taken in exile as anyone that's been taken from their home, brought into a foreign land against their will. They're prisoners of war. They're out of their element. There's, it's not like they're hanging out at the house. It's not like the best case scenario. It's not like everything is going their way. This cocktail of loss and grief and pain in the middle of all that, a word from God comes to the exiles and he says this, I want you to settle down. I want you to settle in. I don't want you to look for the exits. I don't want you to pray to, for me to get you out of here because here's something I want you to think about. I don't have to bring you out to bless you. God doesn't have to bring you out to bless you. God doesn't do miracles on your terms. God doesn't do things the way you want them. And in conversations with God, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, God, if you would just do this, it would make you look real good. I would talk about you all the time. I'm just telling you, when the news cameras are in front of me, I'm like, Jesus, when the books start coming, I'm like, Jesus, God, I've got it worked out. You are a little slow. It's daylight savings time, God but I'm here to help you out. It's all about you, baby. Stick with me. But God doesn't take my cues. God doesn't pick up on what I'm laying down. God isn't cluing into what I'm saying because God doesn't need to bring me out to bless me. God doesn't need perfect conditions to bring a dead man to life. In fact, if you need a miracle, it's usually because everything is going wrong. The deck is stacked against you. You are underneath instead of on top. No one is calling you back. Nothing is working out. You are at the end of your rope. That's the place of a miracle. And that's the beauty of it. Because nobody can take credit for a miracle. Nobody can say I'm a self-made miracle. Nobody can take credit for signs and wonders, for a move of the Spirit. Nobody can say, I did that. 
but God and God alone. And God says that to you. I don't have to bring you out to bless you. I don't have to bring you out of that difficult situation at home to bless you. I don't have to bring you out of that difficult situation at work to bless you. I don't have to bring you out of that financial pain and bankruptcy to bless you. I don't have to adjust things on your condition so that I can help. I'd like to do things my way, God says. And the prophet sent word to the exiles. I don't have to bring you out to bless you. The devil wants you panicked, but God wants you planted. The devil wants you blown around in the wind and just like a tumbleweed going wherever the wind might blow. But God wants you planted. The enemy might want you paralyzed, doing nothing, but God wants you producing in the middle of your mess. There's moments of, of, of desperation. There's moments when it all seems lost. There's moments when you, when you're crying yourself to sleep, there's moments for that. But when the tears are done, when you dry the eyes, when you stand up, the Bible says, I'm with you. I'm with you always. I'm with you in the good days and in the bad days. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It doesn't matter if you put your bed, your head on a pillow in hell, I will be with you. That's the God we serve. I'm a little fired up about it because we're not just making stuff up. The enemy wants you paralyzed, but God wants you producing. Remember the, uh, the, the story of, 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 the, of, the, um, of the owner, and he gives uh, three of his servants, he gives them uh, portions of talents. And he says, I'm gonna go out of town for a little while, and while I'm out of town, I want you to, I want you to take care of this stuff. So he gives one a certain amount of talents and he gives the other and he, and he gives more and less and less and less. And to the guy he gave the most talents to, he came back after a season and said, what did you, what did you do with what I gave you? He said, well, actually, uh, you gave me so, so many great resources I decided to invest in. And I invested in it and it doubled and, and here you go. And, 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 and the owner was so pleased. And there was, there was more plus more. He got more. The next guy comes along and says, Master, I did the same thing he did. I kind of watched what he was doing. He's a little bit sharper than I am, but I just, I just went where he went. I was the second guy in the door, and it, and it worked for me too. I just hung with him, and, we, and he, we did some great stuff. And the owner said, you, you've done well, so here's, here's more plus more. And then finally, the third person that, that was just afraid to do anything oh, you know, this is such a valuable thing that they've given me and, and I didn't earn it and I didn't work for it and he just asked me to be a steward of it and, and look, I, I don't want to lose it. I mean, it'd be great to, to, to multiply it, but I'd rather just not lose it. So he buried it and he sat on it. And the owner came back and he called him to account. He said, what did you do with the talents that I gave you? And he said, I, I knew you were a shrewd man, a shrewd leader, a, a businessman. And I didn't want to take your property into my hands, so I did nothing with it. I didn't multiply it, but I didn't lose it. And I could show you the hole that I buried it in. Come on. The first man got more plus more. The second man got more plus more. But the third man that buried his talent and did nothing with it, paralyzed by fear, intimidation, he got less plus less. He didn't even just get to keep what he had, but the the leader took it from him and gave it to the others and kicked him out. Every one of us in this room, we've got a gift to steward. We have a season to steward it. The clock is ticking backward in all of our lives. That's not causing us to panic. It doesn't mean we need to hurry up and run out of the church and go get to it real, real quick. But that is to say today, to decide today that this 
is not my life. This is not my gift. This is not my stuff. This wasn't even my idea. This is the the, the life that I've been given, so I'm gonna steward it appropriately. It doesn't matter where you land, but God wants you to know that wherever you land, you need to live. It's no excuse. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. I was reading that just the other day and I I never noticed the only part. Like we know he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but maybe he's hanging out to do some other stuff too. No, if he is in your presence, he is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. If he's talking to you, you need to walk away. Some of you talk to the devil more than you do to the telemarketer risks on your phone. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life to the full. And it's interesting, this word comes to the exiles from God. If I had been taken out of my home, out of my surroundings, away from my family, away from my friends, everything just bashed against the rocks. If I was forced into another place, perhaps another language, another culture, another unfamiliar situation, I wonder if this would read different. Um, Put yourself in their shoes. Hey, build houses, plant gardens, get married. It's going to be great. With what? I don't have a place to build. I don't have land that I own. I don't have influence. I don't have resources. Plant, build, grow. With what? And on the outside, it can come off cold and insensitive. And it could, it could seem that God is unaware of the obvious It could seem that God is aloof or distant or at best distracted. He's got a lot going on after all. But I read in Psalm chapter 46, verse one, that God is our refuge and our strength, even in the presence of what? Trouble. So this is where God gets geared up. This isn't when God begins to bite his fingernails and read the back of the book and say, are you sure we win? But this is where God engages another gear and says, we were made for this. I created you for this and we're not going backward. I started running last year. I know I look like the poster child of a running athlete. But I started running last year and we live on a hillside and I discovered that there were a lot of hills in the neighborhood and if I would just tackle the hill, the big hill first, I would eventually recover. (laughs) I would eventually recover start breathing again. My heart would eventually come down. It it, it sounded terrible. It still sounds terrible, quite frankly. That's why I put headphones in. Not because I want to be so focused and I'm so skilled at running. I just don't want to hear my awful breathing because it sounds like something's dying. And I'm sure some of you will speak to me afterward in the altar. Pastor Brian, you are dying. You must stop doing that running thing. But running is an interesting mental game because I'm always looking for a reason to, uh, an excuse to stop. My whole body wants to stop. No one's happy that we're doing it. The shoes, the shoes are all tied up. The shorts are on. The shirt is on. I match kind of. I've got some good music in. Uh, uh, there, lately, it's been this Bethel CD that's just been awesome. And so I hit that first hill and I sound like a, a donkey dying and, and it doesn't feel good. And my right foot hits a manhole cover and my right ankle says, quit. No, everything's off now, quit. And then my left foot hits a pebble and my left foot says, have you heard right lately? I just hit a rock, we must quit. 
The hips are angry. The back is angry. The lungs are angry. Everything is angry. But when I think about how far I've come, when I think about how far behind me is, and, and when I think about I'm almost to the top of this hill, and if I could just get to the top of the hill, if you guys would just shut up, we got some work to do. I don't know why it is in the fall of man, we're always looking for a reason to quit. We're always looking for a reason to sit. Uh, blessed are the men that, that, uh, that, that, walk, that walk not in the, in the uh, you know, it's in Psalms. Anyways, it's a great one. But it goes on the progression of walking, standing, and sitting. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of the sinners, and sit in the seat of the scornful. There's a progress, a reverse progress, that when we start hanging around with people that are bringing us down, when we begin to entertain ideas that are not God's, it does not help us. And when I'm running, running up that hill, I'm not gonna tell you how fast I am, but at least I'm moving. And when I go up that hill, everything in me is saying, stop. My ego says, you look foolish. My body says, I'm not sure if we can make it. But something on the inside of me finds another gear and says, if we can just get up that hill, I think we can make it a little bit further. And I do that all around the neighborhood, finally getting to the house and I realize I can do this. Sometimes you and I, we just need to accomplish some things so that we can say to ourselves, I can do this. And in the middle of a foreign land, in the middle of, a, of an angry place, in the middle of a prisoner of war, God's word to them was, I have not abandoned you. And while we're here and while you're there, we're going to set up camp. We're going to dig in. We're going to settle in and we're going to make some difference. On the outside, it can come off cold and insensitive and distant and aloof. But Matthew chapter five says this, blessed are those that mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. Mourning means that it's not just a little cry. It's not just a little dabble, do you? A little heartbreak. The, what they're talking about here, blessed are those that mourn. This is the person that has so much brokenness on the inside of them. They cannot hold it back any longer. And there's a gully washer of emotion. There's an explosion of mourning from the inside, getting on the outside. But here's the beauty of this moment, this beatitude that Jesus spoke to his disciples before they began to shake the earth. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are those that are bursting. Blessed are those that are broken. Blessed are those that have, that have nothing left in life. Blessed are those that are at the end of their rope because they will be comforted. I love the word comforted here because comforted means to be called near kind of makes me think of like a grandfather or actually another, it made me think of my wife. One of the kids gets hurt and a whole lot of stuff still happens. Someone gets hurt and not everybody just stops. Let's wait for them to stop bleeding. Something goes wrong. Something, someone gets injured. Ruth will grab one of the kids and just hold them while life continues. Directions continue. Hey, while I'm here, I need you to do this. Hey, I'm going to be here a minute. I need you guys to take care of this for me. In this, in this scripture, there's no reference to words. There's only a reference to presence. Blessed are those who are broken because the Lord steps in and he doesn't even necessarily say anything. He just pulls you close. The, the, the word for comfort means to be called near, proximity, to be close, to be called. And whenever God calls you, it's always a close call. 
First Corinthians 13 says this love does not delight in evil. How do how do we know that God is not making fun of these exiles? It says in first Corinthians 13 that love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with with, with truth. It it always protects it. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Plan to stay. Stay doesn't mean stop, just like wait doesn't mean woe. Plan to stay, he said, plan to stay. We serve a God of action, amen? We don't serve a God in neutral or in reverse. We serve a God in drive, moving forward. He's got the back covered. He's got the present covered and he's calling us to a glorious future. We don't serve a God of lack. We don't serve a God that doesn't know what to do. We serve a God of action. We serve a God that's on the move. And he's not only on the move, he's not outpacing you, but he's bringing you along in the journey. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary and they will walk and not faint. I was reading this last night or this morning. As Ruth was sleeping and I was laughing out loud, I said, Ruth, you gotta read this. And she's like, I'm trying to sleep. I was laughing because it says, renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles and they'll run and not grow weary and they shall walk and not faint. But it starts with weight. They that weight. Sometimes when I think about weight, I think about someone waiting on a bus or waiting for the doors to open or waiting on their date or waiting on some phone to ring or waiting on something. But when God says, but they that wait on the Lord, if you're just sitting there waiting, why do you need your strength renewed? You're not doing nothing. But while they wait, not for, but on, they wait on the Lord. Wait means to gather. Wait means to collect. Wait means to bind together and twist together and to look and to keep an eye out. To tarry. It's an active waiting. It's a productive waiting. If I'm not using the strength, then why would I need it renewed? He renews it when we spend it. And I really hear the Lord saying this, it's time for some of us to get off the sideline and engaged in the game. We've been waiting and watching for far too long. We've been spectating and watching and critiquing and armchair quarterbacking and backseat driving. We've been doing all those things. And I hear the Lord saying, it's time to get off the sideline and back in the race. And it's like what pastor says, when you're down to nothing, what? God's up to something. Uh, um, our second oldest, Andrea, is driving now. And we're, I'm teaching her how to drive. And I successfully taught Rebecca how to drive. We did it. And Andrea's driving now, and, and what's so fun about it is Anne likes driving the truck, doesn't like the minivan. She feels like the minivan is a why. But the truck is a yes. It's obvious. And in this, in this exchange of learning and teaching, I'm trying to keep her safe. And so I thought the truck would be a great idea to keep her safe. And now I'm wondering, but does the truck keep you safe? I don't know. You're on your own. <laughs> She's a great driver. You're a great driver. Having the time of our life, having a lot of fun. But in the context of stay, God is saying to us, stay healthy. I'm going to give you three points. Number one, stay healthy. 
And there are some things that only God can do, but there are some things that only you and me can do. And we need to stay healthy. And so when I'm teaching Andrea how to drive, I'm, I'm not teaching her how fast the truck can go. I'm not teaching her how fast you can corner that thing. I'm like, hey, when you take a turn, keep it at 20 or less. Hey, what's the rush? Trying to keep her safe and trying to keep you safe. We're trying to keep each other safe. Number one, in this act of stay, we need to stay healthy. We were in a situation where it seemed like everyone else was panicking. I said, Ann, if you panic, that's when problems happen. If you slam on the brake, if you slam on the accelerator, if you jerk the car, if you do any sudden movement, so don't panic, don't get in a hurry, because when you do those things, that's when things happen that we don't want to happen. Believer, I want to tell you this morning, don't be in a panic. Don't get in a hurry because when you get in a hurry, that's when mistakes are made and that's when you have regret in your life. Don't be in a panic because God is not in a panic. The, the Bible says to fear God and to resist the devil. But when we get into a panic, when we get into a, a situation that we don't feel in control, sometimes we switch that and we fear the devil and we resist God. We don't accomplish very much when we fear the wrong thing and resist the wrong thing. Some of us have been fearing the devil and it makes sense. He's kind of scary. And when we're walking in a direction, we give attention to what we fear. So if we fear the devil, we're giving attention to what might be coming. And while we're giving him attention, we're resisting the voice of God in our life. Number one, we need to stay healthy. He said, plan to stay, build homes, gardens, church. Let's stay healthy. When you get into a panic, it's not the time to run from God, but it's the time to run to God. I want to encourage you this in staying healthy. We need to put re repentance on repeat. We need to put repentance on repeat. If you repented last week, that was great. But let me just tell you, you need it right now. I saw the way some of you were driving out in the parking lot. Put repentance on repeat. Practice repentance. Make it a part of you to, your routine. Don't devalue it, but value it. It's a, it's a gift from God to you, so use it. Put repentance on repeat and foster forgiveness. We, we carry things that we were never designed to carry. We, we carry each other's burdens in a way that we were never designed to carry. We are not the end. We don't need to help God out. God does not need a, 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 like a, a class monitor. He can handle it all by himself. So I love this scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. It says, so take a new grip. You tired? Your hands are throbbing? Things don't seem to be going the way you think they should be going? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. So take a new grip. I love that. With those tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that now all up to this point, I think we're the weak one. I need a new grip on my, with my hand. I, uh, my knees are kind of getting a little creaky. I, I might need a little oil on them. But take a new grip with those tired hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Make out a straight path, not for you, but listen, for the weak and the lame who are following you so that they will not fail, but so that they will be strong. Church, we gotta stay healthy. We gotta stay hungry. If I'm not hungry for God, it's because I'm full of myself. We gotta stay hungry. We gotta get in his word. 
You know what the Bible says about itself in the word? The word is bread. It's honey. It's meat. It's prime rib. Hallelujah. It's water. It's milk. It's food. If we're going to stay this active stay, if we're going to be in the middle of a place that we never thought we'd be, and instead of being held captive in, we're going to bring victory out. We need to get in a place where God can help us. I think some of us in this room, we need to get in a group. We need to get around people that, you know, the greatest way to influence your appetite is to get around people that have an appetite that you want. Examine the people you're with. Are they talking about things that are lifting you up or bringing you down? One person is clapping. I like that. You're in tune. Got to stay healthy and stay hungry. One of my kids during fast last year gave up sugar. A kid. We didn't ask him. And I actually was like, are you sure? You can go 21 days? All right. A year plus later, no sweets, no junk food. One of the younger ones in our family influencing all of us in the family. Look, God doesn't need to wait for you to get to a certain age or a place of maturity for you to impact the people around you. You just need to take some big swipes, take some big risks and lean towards God. Make a healthy decision and change the course of your life. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash, Proverbs says. We stay healthy and stay hungry and we need to stay humble. I'm gonna close with this story. There's a story where Elisha the prophet and his servant are held up in a house. And many of you know the story. But an army comes and surrounds them and they begin to threaten them. I'm thinking that they're taunting them because it's an army versus two. And during this moment of the taunting and the fear tactic and intimidation, the prophet finally turns to God and he asks God to do something miraculous. The prophet prayed and he said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses, chariots of fire. And they were all around. You know, it's interesting. I don't ever really take note that the prophet saw that. But we do know that the servant saw that. But I think the prophet had already seen that, don't you? The prophet didn't need to see it again. He'd seen it before. And some of us in the room that are mature and solid in our faith, we need to see, stop praying prayers just for us and we need to begin to pray prayers for the people around us. We've seen it. We've experienced it. But it's time for another generation to see the chariots of fire that perhaps were taken for granted. It's time for another generation to have someone so secure in themselves that their prayers are no, long, no longer for them, but they're for them. God, not open my eyes. God, not show me. Not God, use me. But God, open their eyes. 
God, show them. God, use them. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Free Chapel can now be your home church no matter where you live with Free Chapel Online. Watch weekly messages from wherever you are with your family and friends, join online small groups, volunteer, and more. Plus, there's weekly content for youth and kids. Join today by downloading the Free Chapel app or head over to freechapel.org online. And a special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or on our website and app. God bless you and we'll see you next week.